Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Well, uh, month of, <laughs> it's hard to believe we're in November already. Like, it just seemed like I was just making New Year's resolutions just a few weeks ago and then breaking all those resolutions. But here we are as we're about to enter into a whole new decade of 2020. And so our theme for the month of uh, November is moving into the future. And so I want to uh, preach around that topic uh, this evening. And I can imagine that as we consider the future that lies ahead of us is that there may be some of us that have a range of emotions concerning what the future may look like. Is that there may be some of us tonight that are so full of faith and expectancy and anticipation for the years and the future seasons that lie ahead. Is there's a literal excitement about your life. Others may be in a place of uncertainty as to what the future currently holds. Is that there's just these tentative steps moving forward because it's just an unknown as to what is going to take place and then there may be a third group of people where you may be in an actual place of fear as to what the future holds. It is so unknown for you that it actually restricts your life from really even wanting to advance because you don't know if there is even a future for you. And so hopefully by the end of this message, you will realize that you have a great future ahead of your life and that we can move forward and we can advance in the purposes and the plans of God with a great faith, with a great anticipation, with a great excitement around about us. So my key text for tonight is found in Ezekiel 36 verse 11 and I'm going to share from another passage but it says this it says I will settle you as in former times and God speaking and it says and God will do better for you than at your beginnings we have a God who can do better for us in our future than in our past and our beginnings. I am so grateful tonight that we have, God, we, we have a God who has planned better days for you and I than our actual beginnings. As we look through the Word of God is that God's track record is He takes the ordinary of people and somehow makes it extraordinary. Not tonight, I'm not calling you ordinary tonight, but wherever you are located and situated, whatever you make available to God, God's going to use is that he would take a shepherd boy by the name of David and make him king. He would take a, a young man that sold into slavery and through a process of years would end up being the second charge of all of Egypt. He would take a man at around, the 40, around 40 years of age by the name of Moses that had a speech impediment and, and make him the great deliverer of the nation of Israel. He would come and visit a little teenage girl and we would ask her if she would carry the very presence of God, the Son of God and birth the Son of God into the world. I am so glad tonight that we have a God who has got better days ahead of us than at our beginnings. And for those that are a little bit older tonight, I know we've got some young kids and young peeps here, and I'm so glad you're in church, is that God's plan is that as we look back at our beginning days with God, that we are standing in a better place now than what we did in the beginning. And this message has caused me to go back and just think of some of my beginning years, is that Jesus found me when I was 15 years of age. Uh, I was a broken teenager. Is my, my parents were just going through a really, really ugly, ugly divorce at that time when God encountered my life and I experienced the love of God. And so the beginnings of it wasn't necessarily the great beginnings, but my, my heart just filled with this incredible love for God. 
And now, 40 years down the track, I am still serving God with the same energy, the same vitality, the same love. Fast forward a few years, uh, my late teens and early 20s, I was the most insecure uh, young person you could ever meet. I had no confidence, no self-confidence about me. I, I talked to some of my school friends about what I currently do and what I've been doing now for the last 23 years of speaking and preaching to people. They're like, that's impossible. We knew what you were like. How can you actually do that? And uh, because God has better days than our beginnings. I remember, I remember the very first message I ever preached it was on the Gold Coast. I was, I was not on staff at a church, uh, but I was in business. And uh, my pastor there uh, gave me a Sunday night gig. You know, Sunday nights are like the trial grounds. You know, just we'll give you a Sunday night. Uh, have I been, is that why I'm here? Yeah. You're going to give me a go. Thanks, Sammy. And, uh, and so he gave me a go. And I was like, yeah, this, can't be, this is going to be simple. This is going to be easy. And uh, I remember that first preach so clearly because it was so bad. It was just awful. And I remember during the preach, I just wanted the platform to open up and swallow me. Like, I'm done. I remember my first words, I got off the platform, I spoke to my friend, Pastor Ross, there, and I said, Ross, I am never doing that again. And, uh, and now fast forward 23 years ago, I'm still doing this thing. Is it God has got better days ahead of us than our actual beginnings. I, the next year, 1997, I end up coming on staff at a church on the Gold Coast. I don't know how that happened. I'm still arguing with God right now. I was so happy in business. But you know what? When God calls, we've got to respond. We've got to respond. Irrespective of what our age is, is whatever God calls us to, would we be a people that would not argue with God? We'd simply respond to his word and say, yep, send me. And I remember then transitioning uh, into working for the church in my second day in the church. I had never been to Bible college. I had done no theological training. Uh, I was a business guy, and I was going to do business in the church. But uh, that Tuesday morning, as my second day on the job, I, I took a telephone call from a business friend of mine whose uh, his wife had terminal uh, illness. And he said, he said, Mike, would you please come up and pray for Caroline? We've heard that you've gone into the ministry. I'm like, no, I'm just in business. <laughs> uh, and would you pray because the doctors have not given her much time to live. And I remember going up there at lunchtime and I was holding her hand. I was praying for her. And I'm, I'm so full of faith and expectancy. Like this is day two on the job. God's certainly with me in here. And as I was praying for her, she breathed her last breath. She died. I'm like, oh my God. Like, are you serious? God, I'm so full of faith and expectancy. And she dies on my first prayer as, on staff as a church. Like, Oh, I am so glad today that there's a faith and a confidence still 40 years a year later that I can lay hands on the sick and see them set free and see them healed. A few days later that Friday, I was doing my very first uh, funeral. This is like week one of the job. I've never done a funeral in my life. I'd been to my grandparents' funerals. And so I faxed all my... You guys wouldn't have a clue what a fax machine is. <laughs> so I SMSed all my friends and asked them to fax back to me every funeral message ever done has to just to try to get something together I'm like I, how do I actually do this God and I remember just before the service the funeral staff of the funeral home came to me and said well you know during the service is that you've got to press these different buttons and it will bring across different curtains there'll be the light curtain there'll be the heavy curtain and if you press these buttons at the right time the curtains will come across I had these curtains open and closing all the way through that funeral I'm sure Caroline was looking down thinking why did I choose that guy uh, to do a funeral but I, I say that to 
simply get to this point is that God has better days ahead for you and I than what our beginnings are. And in the kingdom of God is all about a kingdom of progress. If our life is not moving forward in God, if our future days are not better than our past days, we have a problem. Because the kingdom of God is always about progress. It's that we move from faith to faith, from glory to glory, more into his image and his likeness. And if we are not moving and progressing in that direction, well, we literally have a problem. I have people come to me all the time and talk to me about the good old days of church. If we could just take the church back to the good old days, to 30 years ago and 40 years ago, and now if anyone asked me to take, will we take the church back to the good old days of 30 years ago, I literally just slapped them in the face now. It's like, stop that. Because even though there were great days, is today has to be better days than the former days. And church today is just exciting for me 40 years down the track than what it was when I first came into church when I was 15 years of age. Is that my relationship with God has grown over those years where the beginning was wonderful, but what we stand in right now is so much better because God's plan is that He would give us better days than our actual beginnings. And as we journey through life, I pray that as you take stock and see where you started from and where you are currently now or in the future seasons of your life, you will see the faithfulness of God around about your life because you just hung in there and hung in there and hung in there through the good times and the challenging times. Jeremiah 29 verses 10 and 11 says this. It says, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years, everyone say 70 years. After 70 years, is anyone here 70? We've got one hand. I'm getting close. <laughs> After 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so here, Jeremiah is now speaking to a, a group of people. They are called the exiles. They've been taken out of Jerusalem and taken into a country called Babylon, and they are slaves in that land. And now this word from Jeremiah comes to these ones that are now in a place of slavery, and his word says this, in 70 years' time, I'm going to show myself strong. I'm like, hang on. Well, that's ridiculous. Is the words coming to these group of people, they're now in slavery, and God says, in 70 years' time, I'm going to come and visit you. And this is my promise towards you, is that my, I have so many thoughts towards you. And my thoughts are to give you peace and not evil. And my thoughts are to give you a hope and a future. I could almost imagine that the majority of, of these people that heard this promise never ever saw the promise. Because there was a gap of 70 years. But yet it was something about them and something about you and I that we will always grab a hold of the promises of God even if we won't see the promise. And they were told in advance it's going to take 70 years. I'm sure many of them right there discounted it. I'm not even going to make through the next 70 years. But for my future generation, for my kids and for their kids, they're going to see the promise of God. And this same promise is applicable to you and I thousands of years later is that God's thoughts towards you are innumerable. They are good thoughts. And he is setting each and every one of us up for a hope 
and for a future. So no, no matter what you may think your future may look like, I decide that I'm going to stand on the Word of God and I am going to prophesy over my life, I'm going to prophesy over your life, is that God has got a great plan, He's got a hope, and He's got a future for you. We just have to believe it. We just have to live it. And so tonight I want to look at a passage of Scripture in 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read from verse 1 through to 7. It's an amazing chapter in the Word of God as it looks at the stories of two ladies. I'm just going to look at the story of one of these ladies tonight. Is that one of these ladies is in a desperate situation. It's just she's in abject poverty. It's just devastation all around about a household. And then the next woman in the story is that she's an affluent woman. She has, she has riches and prosperity. And yet God comes and visits both of them. And this morning... This evening, I don't know where you are situated, whether you're in the toughest time of your life or the greatest days of your life, is it still opportunity for God to come and visit you? Is it God's no respecter of persons? He'll, he'll visit the influential and he'll visit the downcast and the broken. And maybe you're in, the, in between tonight, is that God has the ability to visit us all and one visit from God changes everything. One word from God changes everything. One touch from God can set cancer free uh, tonight. And so tonight I want to look at a passage of scripture that relates to the lady that was just in a really difficult situation. So we're going to read it. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1. And it says this, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather, just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into those vessels and set aside the full ones. And so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, mom, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And then she came and told the men of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt and you and your sons shall live on the rest, an incredible miracle that takes place in this house. And so this, the whole premises of, of my preached this evening is built upon this statement, is that our present actions determine our future direction. Yeah. Is that what you and I do in the now determines the next. And so our present actions determine the future direction that our lives are going to take. I remember the story that Jesus told about two guys that were building a house. And he gives the story of the first guy is that before he starts to build upwards from the ground is he decides to dig down deep. Is he goes into a secret place. He goes into the invisible realm and he lays a foundation that is so strong and so secure that whatever he builds on top of the ground, it is going to be a secure building. He's talking of his own life. And so this guy, he goes down into the secret place, into an invisible realm, and just builds a great foundation of his life. He then tells a story of another guy that's living in the same subdivision, same soil type, 
that he decides, I'm not going to go down deep. I'm not going to go to the secret place. I'm not going to go into that invisible realm and build something that I can build my life upon. I'm just going to build something so fast and so impressive that everyone's going to around and say, look, how quick did that building go up? And then Jesus says that a great storm came, the same storm. And the house where the guy had gone to the secret place, had dug deep, had laid a foundation, that house was immovable. But the other guy's house that did not dig deep, did not go into the secret place, is that that house, that life, suffered great loss. Is that our present actions will always determine our future direction. And so tonight, I've just got a little process as I've thought about this message of the seedbed of our lives. What's the seedbed of our hearts got to look like in order to have a great future? Well, what's the seedbed of our faith got to be like in order to set us up for a great future? So we've just got to... Just a few statements here. Is that our desires determine our priorities. And so whatever, that could be good desires, could be bad desires, but whatever the desires we have in our hearts, it will always determine our priorities. Our priorities shape our choices. And so whatever the priorities of our heart are now, we will now make choices as to what we are going to do. Am I going to spend time in the Word of God? Am I going to open up my Bible this week? Am I going to pray this week? And then our choices determine our actions from there. Is that we're now in that place where we're in relationship with God, where our actions are outworking that. We have a heart of generosity. We have a heart of all of these things. And then our actions shape our future. And so the seedbed of our lives always comes from a place of desire. What is your desire tonight? What are you desiring? Because in the end, that will shape your priorities, your choices, your actions, and then ultimately the future life that you have. And here we look at this lady, and she is in a desperate situation. And as the man of God, Elisha, comes through her town this day, is she starts crying out to him. She is like shouting at the top of her lungs. And she's saying words like this. She's giving an assessment to the man of God. She's giving an assessment to God of her current predicament. She says, man of God, your servant, my husband, is dead. And these two sons of mine is that they are going to be sold into slavery at any moment. She is not whispering to God. She is shouting at God. This evening, I don't know where you are placed or where you are situated, but I pray that you would continually cry out to God. Don't cry out on social media. Don't cry out to those people that won't have faith around about you. It's to cry out to God because He is our ever-present help in time of need. And this lady knew where her cries needed to be directed because He's the one that could come and visit and change her future forever. And she cries out. The man of God, well now just call God because it's, it's a representation of who God it is. And God asks this lady this question, what shall I do for you? God doesn't even allow her to answer the question. He just moves on to the second question. <laughs> he says this, what do you have in your house? What, what do you have in your house? From the youngest to the oldest, well, what do you have inside of your life right now? It's because I know this, God comes to illuminate that which what we have is God will always use what we have. We have to be aware that our future is so determined, not necessarily by things being added to us, but it's by what we currently carry in our life. And that's why the God asks the question, what do you have in your house? Because God will always use what we have. 
It's not the method and plan of God that God would use something that we do not have. No, he'll always build upon something that we already have. And whatever we have tonight, I pray that you and I would surrender it into the hands of God. And in the hands of God, he would take whatever that is surrendered and he would bless it and he would make it beneficial for our future moving forward. And so God says, what do you have in your house? And she starts to consider. And she comes back and says, God, I've got nothing. I've got nothing in my house. I have got nothing. There is nothing here of any value to you, God. I got nothing. And I'm sure the man of God was just looking at her, just wait. Oh, you've got to have something. You've got to give God something to work with. You've got to give something to God. You've got something inside of you. I, tonight, it doesn't matter how empty you and I are, we always have something that God can use. Is that you are, you may think you're empty, but you are never, ever too empty for God. And he keeps asking the question, what do you have in your house? She says, I have nothing. I have nothing. Light bulb moment comes on. You know what? I got a jar of oil. That's all God needs. Just for you and I to come to that realization that we are not completely empty and void of anything, but we actually have something that God could touch and that God could actually use. And so now God has got her in a position that she has highlighted. She is now recognized and aware that she has something in her possessions. Her husband has died in a very short time. Her two sons are being taken away. It's is a, is a difficult time in the land, but she realized she's just got a jar of oil. This evening, church, what? do you have because I find so often we are looking for the big things to bring to God if I just had a big thing about my life I just had that type of personality if I just had this type of resource I could bring that to God and that would be pleasing to God no 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 whatever you give to God is pleasing to God but so often you and I would just make it is that God will only accept the big things is God will accept anything you and I give him tonight and it could be just a jar of oil. It's throughout all my years I've noticed this about God. I want you to get this tonight. Is that God uses insignificant, common, ordinary things. God uses things that we consider to be of little to no value. All the way throughout the Word of God, as God has used the insignificant, the ordinary, the common things. He, he, he would take a slingshot and a few stones and put it in the hands of a guy by the name of David to bring down a giant. It's significant. It's just an ordinary thing. He would take a couple of fish and a few loaves in his hands and he filled a multitude of people. It's a meal for one. It's an insignificant meal for one that could never feed a multitude. But in the hands of Jesus Christ, anything is possible tonight. He could defeat an old, a whole army with the jawbone of a donkey. It is it's common, it is ordinary, it's just a jawbone of a dead animal that God could slay a whole army. He could do one of those greatest provision miracles with just a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. Would you give God your common, your ordinary, your insignificant, whatever you think is of little or no value, because God can bless the ordinary. I found this, the greatest things in our lives are often the things that we consider ordinary about ourselves. And oftentimes it takes someone from outside of our world to come and to identify what we actually have. And tonight I pray that God would come and you'd be able to identify what you really have. It's just a jar of oil, it's just what he needs. 
It's just this. I'm insecure. I was 15 years of age, broken. Give in your brokenness tonight and see what God's going to do for you. I can never talk. He can never talk in public. Would you give that attitude to God and see what God's going to do? Moses gave him a stutter. He became the great deliverer. Whatever it is tonight that you may think is common, ordinary, insignificant, would you give it to God? Would you realize the value that you actually have inside of you? Don't, don't neglect what you have. Don't ignore it. Don't despise it. Don't minimize it. Don't trade it in for somebody else's. Don't envy someone else's. No, own what you have because that's what God's given you and he just wants it back from you. Would you give it to God? Is that I found our, our future blessing flows out of what we already have. You don't need anything else right now. God will add things to your life, but your future blessing flows out of what you currently have. And so the man of God walks on the scene. God walks on the scene. And he says to this lady, just gather all the vessels you can. Get the sons out there. Go get all the Tupperware, every vessel, every container, every shoe that can hold oil. Just get everything that can hold liquid at all. And I notice as they go out and do this is that God did not bring the blessing to this house. He just revealed the blessing. <laughs> and God, sometimes we just think God brings a blessing. He is a God of blessing. But he's placed it in our DNA in Genesis chapter 1 for us to go and be fruitful and multiply. Is that that's the DNA that's inside of our, our veins that courses through us. The propensity to grow is in the nature of who we are as sons and daughters of God. And so God does not bring the increase. He simply just reveals the increase to this lady. Just gather all the containers you have, and when you have those containers, I want you just to start pouring and start pouring. The man of God, and God does not add anything to her life. He does not even add anything to her house. He just shows her how to use what she currently has to set her up for a future. And she starts to pour. And she just pours, and she pours, and she pours, and every container she's pouring into is just filling up to a place of overflow. You imagine being in that room, eh? You imagine being in there and just witnessing, like, God, what is happening right here? And every vessel, she brought another vessel. The kids brought the vessel, and she poured, and it filled it to a place of overflowing, and another vessel. I think we need you carpet, Sammy. Uh, and kids, just a disclaimer, don't go home and tip water on the carpet because pastor did it. All right, don't do that. Don't do that. I won't tip it on the speaker. And uh, <laughs> you thought that was funny, didn't you? Hey? Uh, and she just kept pouring. And every vessel that came across it, she just kept pouring and pouring. Tonight, if you don't hear anything else, I pray that you'd pour out your life. Would you pour it out? Would you pour out what God has placed in you? You may think it's ordinary. You may think it's insignificant. Would you just keep pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out? And as she continued just to pour it out, every vessel was filled to a place of overflow. Uh, if she had 154 containers, they all would have been filled. If she had 356 containers, they would all been filled. She had 10,182 containers. They all would have been filled because our God is a God of unlimited supply. He has an inexhaustible supply. And so the, God didn't bring the increase. It was the lady who determined how much oil she would actually have. You and I determine what our future is going to look like. 
You and, you and I determine the increase of God because He's placed it inside of us. And God wants to show us of how we're to use what we have and what we've given to Him. And she continues just to pour it out and pour it out and pour it out and pour it out. Would you and I pour it out? You know, in Brisbane, there are 2.5 million people in the city of Brisbane. There is enough inside of us. There's enough vessels that need the love and the joy and the peace of God. Would you continue just to pour it out, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. When Jesus had that encounter with the lady at the well in John chapter 4, he says to her, if you just drink from me, is that out of your innermost being is going to flow rivers of living water. As you and I give to God, and as we continue to see Him as our source, He fills us to a place of overflow. He is a God without limits tonight. Would you and I just dare to believe that as we move into our future? Is there are no limits to God? Is that we determine what the increase would look like? I'm reminded when the Master came, the master came and he gave out talents to people. He gave out five to one and two to another and one to another. It says then the master went on a long journey. He didn't give them any instructions on how to use these talents at all. He just went, went away. It was built inside of us. It's something that would bring multiplication over whatever God has placed inside of us. There's the ability for you and I to multiply it. And after a long time, it says the master came back and he inspected what they did and the one who had five multiplied into ten the one who had two multiplied into four the one who had one buried it he determined what his increase was going to be the guy with two determined what his increase was going to be is that God just gave the gifts to you and I and goes away on a long journey would you and I put ourselves in a position of giving what we have to God and going out and changing the world in front of us of not just changing our future, but changing futures right across the peninsula, right across this great city, right across the world as the team goes down to Red Frogs in two weeks' time to change the lives there. Why? Because you and I can be so full of the things of God that we just keep pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. Whatever you and I pour out, it will always flow into the future. Pour it out. Pour it out. You might be saying, I don't have anything to pour out. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And so tonight, uh, my prayer is that God would come and He would illuminate in your life, highlight to you as to what you actually carry. However big, however small that is, however common or however rare that is, however ordinary or however extraordinary it may be, would you identify what you do have? And just give it to God. As you give it to God, pour it out. Just pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out. Pour it out tonight. Determine what the increase is going to be around about your life. And whatever you pour out just flows into your future. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.